Yes, it's that time of year again. The seasons are changing. And you could also say that about the college football landscape. Huge news this weekend. And one of the great reasons why the Keys to the City trio loves sports. The many reasons happened this weekend. Craziness, chaos, surprises, unexpected expectations. Well, guess what? That was brought on to all of us by the MLB by college football and the NFL. We're going to discuss all three. This is not just a football Tuesday. This is going to be a show that we haven't done in some time. We're going to be talking college football, MLB. The MLB, what's going on with the New York Yankees? The big boys, where are they going? Are they sleeping? Are, are they taking a nap? We don't know what's going on with the New York Yankees. We're going to talk about that. Are they playing it smart by not spending the big money? And we're going to talk about which move was the better move. Is it Brian Kelly to LSU, or is it Lincoln Riley to USC? Plus, we'll give you our weekly top 10 in the NFL. Next on Keys to the City. Yeah. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know you really viewing greatness. In the making, double up on facts we stating. Podcasting, cruise control, city, state, the nation. So what you saying, what we saying, prime information. Facts, keys to the city, we unlocking the statements. Streaming every Friday. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Clovercrest Media presents Keys to the City. We're streaming on all social media platforms at Keys to the City. So comment, like, subscribe, or share. I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend with the family and the friends. And I hope everybody had a safe holiday. But with this weekend, there was a lot to discuss, to cover, in all of sports. And you just think about it. There's a lot of great things about sports in general. And this is one of the weekends why we can sit here and say, this is why you're a diehard sports fan. This is why you we wake up every day. We go to our Twitter. We go to our Instagram. We go to our Facebook to know for situations, for breaking news, like what happened, transpired throughout this entire weekend. We could talk about it all with baseball, the major moves, the big contracts once again coming out. We're going to talk about that. Also, college football, we are coming down to the final weekend. It is conference championship weekend, so we will be discussing it because we are starting to discuss college football today. So we are going to talk about the college football playoff later in the week. And then the NFL has been giving us, once again, the surprises, and it happened again. New York Giants with a nice victory, but we're not talking about the NFL today. We're going to talk about that at the end of the week with some huge, huge matchups, especially one in the AFC East on Monday Night Football for a right to possibly be the number one seed in the AFC and to maybe take grasp of that AFC East. But we're going to start off with, like I said, the breaking news, the major news that happened this weekend. No, not the baseball world, but in the college football world. Two huge schools making two huge moves, two huge names going to teams that are a bit of a surprise. You've been hearing these names for years, whether that was going to be associated with the pros or with college. Well, these two guys are officially, well, they have new homes now. So I want to dig right into it. No wasting time. The big moves. Brian Kelly going to the LSU Tigers, 10 years, $95 million. And Lincoln Riley, with maybe the bigger surprise, going to the USC Trojans. Boy, oh boy, boys. Which move down the road will be the smarter move? Is it Kelly to LSU or is it Riley to USC? Take it away, whoever wants it. So, Joe, you don't mind if I start with this. All right. So here's the thing. I'll answer the question first, and then I'll get into a little bit more. The smarter decision is Riley to USC. Absolutely. Kelly's got to go to the SEC. Good luck. You're, you're the third best team right now behind Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. So you're fighting for third best place. All right. So I'm shocked on both moves, though. Completely shocked. I was totally shocked on the Riley move. I did not even see that coming. But I don't think anyone did. I think that's what makes it so intriguing. I told you before on the phone, this is good, though, good for college football. Because what would you be talking about today on Tuesday, November 30th? This, this storyline of these two major coaches are – are intriguing because it gets college football. Now it gets other things going on. Now, if I'm though, if I'm one of these teams like Cincinnati or some of these other teams that have really good coaches up in pro, I'm worried about where my coaches go uh, going. I love both moves though. It's a home run for both schools. All right, you need you're, you USC. You had to hit it big. You hit it. I mean, you you hit a grand slam. You hit the walk off. 
Lincoln Riley, probably no better coach right now on the market other than like a Nick Saban, Kirby Smart. Um, maybe, um, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, maybe the Ohio State coach, maybe Cristobal in Oregon. But you hit a home run, Lincoln Riley, bam. I mean, that's huge. The reason why I say that's the best job, not only because it's the Pac-12, but here's the thing. The Pac-12 has been irrelevant for the past since pretty much Pete Carroll since has left USC. This is huge. You got to think about all the major prospects. I, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say the Pac-12 has been irrelevant. Just say USC. I would but, say USC but, has been irrelevant. Has been I irrelevant. think the whole – I would agree with the Pac-12. Well, Oregon – I mean, you got to they have Other than Oregon. And I'll, and I'll explain to you, and then you can tell me why you think so. The reason why I say irrelevant, yes, Oregon's been very good, Trev. But where have they been on the national stage? We never talk about that. They get lost. Like Christian McCaffrey, when he played for Stanford, gets lost on the West Coast as good as Stanford was. They don't. It's not an intriguing poll. It's a late-night games. They haven't been in the national title or games since the Oregon game against Auburn. So they're not intriguing. And the last time the Pac-12 was relevant was when Reggie Bush and Pete Carroll and USC – were the mainstay. Now it's been a lower SEC dominant thing with Ohio State and Notre Dame sprinkled in. This is a huge uh, home run for USC. Not only because you get Lincoln Riley, you get a young, innovative coach, but here's what you got to think about. You know who the quarterback for Ohio State is? C.J. Stroud. You know where he's from? California. You know where Chris Olave is from? California. You know where a lot of these major players and quarterbacks, you know where Bryce Young's from? Matter Day. That he was supposed to go to UC. You know where he went? Alabama. That's a guy where you keep now at USC. Think about where these programs, where USC has gone downfall. They've lost on all the big recruits. California, other than Texas and Florida, is the third biggest national powerhouse for high school athletes in football. You're losing 50%, it seems like, every year now because you have no irrelevant team on the West Coast. Where do you go? You want to be a relative. You want to have a chance to play for a national championship. You want to go to the pros. Where do you go? You go to Alabama. You go to Georgia. You go to LSU. You go to Notre Dame. You go to Ohio State. You go all these coasts. You bring in Lincoln Riley. You bring in stars. Caleb Williams, the quarterback, West Coast guy. Spencer Rattler from Arizona, West Coast guy. If I'm Lincoln Riley, who he's just recruiting a five-star quarterback from Oklahoma next year, hey, he's from California. Hey, listen, follow me. Come over here. Spencer Rattler, you're in the transfer portal. Come on. Come with me. It changes the dynamic. That's why I think it's a home run. Hold on. That's why it's a smart move. And and here's the other thing. Riley leaving Oklahoma looks at it this way. Oklahoma's going to be leaving the Big 12. They got to go to SEC. You're not going to be no longer the dominant powerhouse no more. You're going to be playing second fiddle, like I said, my argument. Hold on. with Like I said with LSU. But I'm not surprised because why should we ever be surprised? Because I know Joe was going to get into this. Coaches have no... The contracts mean nothing. James Frank would sign a 10-year for Penn State, $100 million. If he leaves in two years, don't be surprised. It's The contracts are like what you use to wipe your rear end in at the end of the Joe, night after the dinner. Here's what I wanted to say to you, Joe, and I'll give you this. is I, I see this as a home run for the LSU Tigers because here's the thing, and I'll bring this to you. It's the SEC. Just remember what they did two years ago with Joe Burrow and Ed Orgeron. Or Ed, Ed Orgeron is, and I was listening to Colin Coward about this when he reacted to it, and he makes a lot of good points. Ed Orgeron's a great recruiter, but he, he's a good coach. Brian Kelly's a great recruiter, and he's also a great coach. Can you imagine the talent that LSU can get with Brian Kelly? Like, that's just and, – and all you have to worry – look, look. You're going to have Alabama. Those, right there, you're right off the bat. USC – I know that the Pac-12 has been irrelevant. I still think it's been relevant because you've had teams like Oregon, and Oregon has been consistent and has taken the grasp of the relevancy of the Pac-12 since since Pete Carroll and the Trojans have faltered down down for the past 12 years, it seems like. But Trav, Oregon, Oregon has taken they're not respected like it is USC. It's like Texas. It's like the Miami. Think, here's the thing. It's I don't like, think anybody in college football is respected enough if you're not in the if you're not playing in the SEC. Yeah, but you got to think big names, Trev. The Dallas oh, Cowboys, Miami Hurricanes, Texas Longhorns. I USC that. is a big brand. I understand that. It's but LA. It takes, too. It, it, LA. It takes, yeah, but you know what? It takes you. It's, it's going to take a few. Years. I don't know if they're going to immediately just go right into national championship contention. Joe, how do you? I, I mean, give me your take about this. Let thing. me I, let me give you a couple of thoughts. First of all, if if I was at, at home as a top recruit and I talked to either of these guys in the hours before they took the job and basically sat there and lied to my face, 
about wanting me to commit to them because they're going to commit to me for the next four years. Again, it, it it speaks volumes about these these coaches. Like Ted said, those contracts are not worth the paper they're printed on. Okay, here's Brian Kelly, whose team is fifth in the country, and Riley, whose team is sixth in the country, literally knocking on the door for the college playoffs. And instead, they'd rather go to programs that are in the toilet bowl right now and do what? I mean, can can we expect either of these guys to finish the job? Because I, I I can't. I mean, Brian Kelly had a great thing going at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's got money. Is this a money thing or is this a prestige thing? You want to? You want to? I mean, like you said, you're you're instantly the third best team in the SEC. As for Lincoln Riley, my understanding is the prospect of going to the SEC is something he wasn't interested in doing. That's the reason he's moving out to the greener pastures of the Pac-12. Ted, you make a great point, though. Uh, USC has not been locking these California guys in. They're going here, there, and everywhere, and they're not staying in California. Riley certainly will go a long way towards keeping the talent in California, and there's a ton of it. But for, for the life of me, I, you're in a situation with a, one of the great programs in college football. 55 and 10 in the five seasons, 37 and 7 in the Big 12. What are you why? Why would you leave? And again, you've got all these young men who you've been for the last couple of years telling them, I need you to commit to me. I'm committed to you. Brian Kelly hey, says it. I'm, Lincoln I'm Riley says it, and it's a lie. I'm glad you're just telling job. you what you want to hear. I don't think this is good for college football. I think this is a slap in the face. Because at the end of the day, no one's ever leaving. You're not leaving Bama to go to Coastal Carolina. This is a, one of those things in college football where it always benefits the better schools. It always does. The idea that you could basically just quit your job and, and go to, what, and to a Joe, better one? What? I'm so glad you said that because I know that we've talked about the past couple of years. We've seen a lot more now in college football in the sense of we're talking about players right now. And players get a lot of um, hate. I would say a lot of uh, critics that come after that come after them after oh if a couple years ago perfect example two guys that were going to be top ten picks both running backs didn't play in their bowl games Christian McCaffrey and um, Leonard Fournette both didn't play in their bowl games because they want to get prepared for the NFL draft do you know the backlash they got from that but where's the backlash when a guy like Brian Kelly who the season's not finished like you just said Joe they're in the midst of trying to make the college football playoff the back to back years. Lincoln Riley, who had the chance to get to a Big 12 championship game, just lost. So their season, they're not going to make the college football playoff. But still, in the middle of the season, these teams are getting prepared for these big-time games. And then all of a sudden, you could just say, bye. But the players, if the players do it, oh, he's he's terrible. Why are these players not playing and stuff like that? And they get ridiculed for it. But these coaches are like, oh, well, they're doing for best what's best for them. But here's the thing. I think it's cheating. I think it's hypocritical. Here's the yeah. thing. The players are not getting critiqued anymore because I think everyone's starting to well, realize. Criticize. I think they're getting, criti- they're getting criticized. No, I'm saying they're not getting criticized no more because what has changed the game is to the transfer portal. Okay? The one day, the the next day that Spencer Rattler and Oklahoma got benched, it was already talked about where he was going next year. And I'm, not talk, I'm, not, I'm not talking about no, the transfer So, so I, listen, so I, I think, hold, hold on. So I think the guys leaving. That's different. I think the guys skipping the bowl games, no one's giving a flack no more. The only way guys are getting flack, and it hasn't happened well, yet. Well, they were. Hold on. That's the thing. If they, they skip the, the immediate top four game, meaning the the semifinals and the finals. It hasn't been done yet. Well, Notre they're Dame has a chance, too. They're, the, they're skipping the humanitarian bowl. They're skipping the poinsettia bowl. They're skipping the holiday bowl. They're not skipping the sugar bowl. They're not skipping – the orange bowl, they're not skipping the Rose Bowl, all right? Well, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Right, that, because, okay. listen, a, a player would never do that. No. A coach would do that and not give it a second now, thought. There's about that, five or six – there's going to be about five or six interim coaches coaching some of these crappy bowl games that now, are here's the thing. over the next month. Well, we uh, don't who like, pay, Who's paying for that? Who wants to see that? Now, Joe, uh, I, I mean, do For Christ's sake, they're Dustin Bob Stoops off to coach their, their bowl game. I know. I know. Well, Joe, that's, Joe no, he's off the Fox News set. Here's, here's my thing, though. That's I'm, crazy. I, I don't, I'm not upset because, listen, it's intriguing. 
It gets college football storylines going. This is same. It's been going on for years. All right, Nick Saban. I'm not going to the pros. He leaves. He goes to the pros. He comes back. You know, Wayne Kiffin. Listen. Every year we see coaches leave during the Bulls. This is what happens, right? You know, Josh Heupel leaves Central Florida, goes to Tennessee. You know, this guy, Urban Meyer, leaves here. It, it, listen, it happens. As a fan of the teams, like if you're an Oklahoma fan, you're hurt by it because you understand that you have a great coach. But Oklahoma will be fine. They will find another great coach. They will continue to, to succeed, and they will be good. And now that they're going in the SEC, it's only going to bring more revenue. I mean – I'm not shocked by any no more. I was shocked by the move. Listen, I was shocked. First, I was really shocked Riley going to USC because I'm thinking, why leave Oklahoma? You got a great thing. You're the you're a prestigious thing. You're probably, you know what I mean? You're going to the SEC. It's all going to be, it's only going to be better for you. I, listen, I get that. But here's the other thing I get. And I'm going to relate this to Trev. You're looking for new challenges in your life. Don't be afraid to expand your horizon. Don't be listen. Oh, look at Riley's spot. Like, listen, that, I did my, I did my piece at Oklahoma. Too. Now, listen, I understand he probably wants to win, bring a championship to Oklahoma. And when I said Trev, I meant like, don't be afraid to leave Connecticut and go try a job in Florida. Don't be afraid while you're still young. Don't wait till you're 16 and go, I wish I did this. Maybe Lincoln Riley looks at the USC going, you know what, as good as I am, and I have it great. I, I want a new challenge. I want something better. Because the you can't tell me that Oklahoma was stipend them on uh, or shorting them on money. It I think it was the money thing. Here's the thing. I understand the Brian Kelly thing. Because here's the thing. It's still Notre Dame. I understand Notre Dame's prestigious. They have their own network and NBC. But they're not in a conference. You're fighting the tough battle because you got to recruit a kid to Notre Dame. It's a hell of a lot easier to go come to LSU than come to Notre Dame. Academically. You know what I mean? It's it's. And then here's the other thing. Do you want to play in 85 degrees in uh, LSU, Death Valley? You want to play in the cold and snow? You know, if you're a California kid, where where do you want to play? Do you want to play on Alabama? So – there is new things. I understand the moves. I think it's good for football. I just think it hurts players and it gives a bad look. Like Joe, like you said, it's a good and bad because you're like, Brian Kelly's out recruiting the kid going, listen, you're going to be our star safety in Notre Dame. Listen, we got stars coming in. We're losing. We're losing the, one of the top players in the NFL draft. You're going to be one of the impactful players. And, two, and six minutes later, he's driving down the road on Highway 93. And there's a call going on the news going, Brian Kelly just accepted. And you're like, wait, this guy just came to my house. Recruited me next year for Notre Dame, and he ain't even out the door six minutes. Yeah, right. And Teddy, I'm sitting there looking in his eyes, like, yeah, I think I could trust this guy. Yeah, and that's you know what I'm, well, I'm committed. I'm gonna yeah. do it. I trust you, Coach. And like you said, half mile down the road, ESPN's breaking in. Oh, he's not your coach anymore. That's, and that's great. And that's what takes me off is that, like, maybe you know what? Like real North- quick, too. Maybe they could move the recruitment time. And 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 and. Make sure that the season's over. Maybe that doesn't start until the bowl games in January. My thing is, is that it's just I think it's just, especially especially the um Kelly Brian Kelly because we've seen Brian Kelly actually do this. This is he has a history of of not finishing well, the job of, that of he doing, started of doing these kind of, of making these kind of moves for his career where he did it in Central Michigan went to Cincinnati Cincinnati was in the midst of their best season at the time they win the uh, Big East they go to the Sugar Bowl and then Brian Kelly says bye guys I'm taking the Notre Dame job they get shellacked in the Sugar Bowl against the Florida Gators and he's doing it again and I think that's it's more of a slap in the face Riley Lincoln Riley Lincoln Riley's going to do whatever he's want. He has a bright future wherever he goes. I hope he eventually gets to the NFL one day. We'll see how that goes. But the Brian Kelly thing is, I think, is slapping the face to Notre Dame because, like I just said, they're in the midst of still getting a possibility of playing in the college football playoff. Like, they're at the five. Depending on the rankings tonight, they're right now currently slated at number – they're going to be number five because of the Michigan-Ohio State um, results. They're going to be in that mix of the top six. So they still have a golden opportunity to play in the college football playoff for the second straight year. It's just a slap in the face to those players that their coach did it again to them. And it's just, it's, it is what it is. It's going to happen every year. You're going to have big moves like this. It's what it it goes on in college football. It does bring attention. It does give people excitement because you see LSU who had a down year this year, but now they're going to, well, Brian Kelly looks like they're going to be back to where we expect them to be. And then USC, they've been in the dumps for, for God knows since I was in middle school when they had the Reggie Bush days and Pete Carroll, Matt Liner days. Now that maybe they're going to have some sort of relevancy back in the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 needs it. 
And I think the Pac-12 gets knocked for. I do, I do understand where you're trying to say, Ted, from the beginning of the show in the sense of the Pac-12 hasn't been relevant. I mean, other than Oregon, the, the Oregon Ducks have saved the Pac-12's asses. And you can – you know what? I'll add in the Utah Utes because they have been consistent as well since being in the Pac-12. But it's been specifically the Oregon Ducks that have kept the Pac-12 and given them some life. They're like literally about to be on the breath of falling underwater. That's how bad the Pac-12 has been if it wasn't for the Oregon Ducks. USC coming back, this would be huge for not just the Pac-12, but college football in general too. Because it's like it's like Texas. It's like these big time teams that have been struggling. Nebraska. These teams, they these have been historic programs. They need to get back because it brings great attention and brings great value to college football. But there's a real problem here. We, we talk about a guy like Brian Kelly and what a good coach he is and how he turns things around. But like I said a minute ago, he never finishes the job. Yep. He gets him right to the cusp of being good and then just rides that success somewhere else. Win a championship. Win something for crying out loud. I, I, I don't understand that. And again, you're right there. You're knocking on the door for, I mean, again, there's a chance Notre Dame could be in that college playoff. Yeah, this was supposed to be And a for him to abandon them. that team, again, if I'm LSU, I, does that, as an LSU fan, are you like, yeah, this is a really good dude. I'm so excited we got, you know, he's a great coach. But again, this left you high and dry before a bowl game and a chance at, a, at a, maybe at a national championship. Is he going to see this LSU turn around all the way through? Or does maybe Nick Nick Saban steps down at Bama and he's the coach of Bama in two years? People in LSU ain't going to love that. We'll see. I'm glad you brought up. And on to Ted's point, by the way, look, the Power Five could care, does not care about the the, the Pac-12 at all. (laughs) It It is the bastard stepchild of the Power Five. Stepchild? That's a quote. Okay. The Big 12, the Pac-10, uh, the Big 12, the ACC, and uh, and the SEC. You'd like to continue, you know, include the, the Pac-12, but maybe you won't. And they don't really give it much of a thought. They were more than happy to cut them out last year when the Pac-12 was like, maybe we'll start late. And they were like, well, we're not waiting. You guys have no say in this Power 5 thing, even though you're one of the Power 5. I'm so, great. yeah, I do think that – I do think that – uh, Lincoln Riley going to USC at least boosts up the reputation of the conference. Yep. That's good for business. USC's a great program. Like you said, they've been in the dump since Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner. It would be nice to see them turn it around. I just don't like the way that this is happening at this point of the year. Happens this, every, happens I, like I know it does, and it pisses me off every year. This is no different. Uh-huh. And again, it's always good coaches. It's not like bad coaches are dumping their teams to go on the greener pastures before the most important game in school history. Come on. I hate this. I'm glad you brought up – you just brought up championships and on the cusp of trying to win a championship in the sense of Notre Dame. Well, there's a team right now in the MLB that's been on the cusp of championship stardom every year. It's the New York Yankees. There's been a lot going on. Yes, we just talked about college football. That was one-third of what happened this crazy, crazy sports weekend in the sense of news. Also, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot going on in baseball. For all our baseball fans, a lot of big moves are going on. Big contracts, as expected, like every year, and surprising contracts. But there's one team that hasn't been spending. And there's a team that always, it seems like a team that's always spending big money. And it's a team that always gets well, ripped apart because they always have the most money and they like oh, the play. Dodgers. <laughs> no, I'm just saying the past years, everybody likes to say oh, no, yeah, the, the Dodgers spent a lot of money, right? The Dodgers and the Padres. There's always that team that everybody says, oh, they just buy their championships. And that's the New York Yankees. But this year, they haven't been anything. They've been very sleepy. Brian Cashman's been sleeping. I don't know what's going on with the New York Yankees. It's been very, like very it. low key. But are the Yanks, and I'll start with Joe on this, are the Yanks being smart when not spending the big money on the big price guys like the shortstops that we've seen come off the board? Corey Seager's gone. Javi Baez is now a Detroit Tiger. You've had Marcus uh, Simeon is going to be a Texas Ranger to team up with Corey Seager. Now big contracts right there, almost $500 million worth 
in two contracts. Ridiculous. Just I, I don't understand. Scherzer to the Mets. Scherzer to the Mets. Robbie Ray to the Mariners. We still have guys like Trevor Story and, and Carlos Correa. Please, God, no happen. Don't happen. Carlos Correa is still on the market. But are the Yankees being smart right now, Joe? We're not spending the big money. I think just because the Yankees aren't tied to the guys who have been signed, I think, again, I've seen a lot of people that are upset that the Yankees are standing pat as if, I mean, 13 days ago, Hal Steinbrenner said he's not afraid to spend money this offseason and that he would throw a bunch of money at Carlos Correa, whether you like it or not. So I think the Yankees are definitely doing things behind the scenes. If the Yankees wanted to make a play at Max Scherzer, who I'll point out, hasn't thrown 200 innings since 2016. That's a lot of money to give a six-inning pitcher uh, who generally has back problems and doesn't pitch well in the postseason. So I'm not really that that worried about the Mets teaming up the two most broken-down aces in baseball. That's great. The Rangers want to throw a whole bunch of money at second and shortstop. That'll really help their pitching. That's always been garbage. And the same thing. I like that the Mariners want to go out and spend some money on an ace. That's good. That's really going to help you with your, I mean, again, here's the other problem I think that we're not talking about is we could be a day away from a lockout here. That That's very real. A lockout's probably going to happen. So why are teams throwing, I don't understand all this money being thrown around. We don't even know if there's going to. the season goes, Joe. You try to get it in before. Would the question be for you, Ted, are the Yankees just playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers? No, no, no. Here's the thing. Because, of the, you, because of the scenario that the listen, lockout. I'll, we give, are I'll give you the explanation. I told you this on the phone. I'm going to bring it up when we talked about the thing. I think the just Yankees are smart. The Yankees are not going to spend $300 million. I told you this before. When's the last team who paid a guy $300 million? The team had a, uh, a beneficial. Uh, production from him. Pujols, the Trouts, the, the Mookie Bats, all these guys, they've got $300 million, the stands, the Coles. Oh, even Here's- Tatis Jr., they gave him some money and he uh, tanked. Listen, I, I like I like the Wander Franco deal that the Rays did. Get him now. Sign him now. Get it in. You know what I mean? That's what you want to see. Be as a baseball, listen, as a baseball fan, sign these young stars early. Don't wait till they're free agents where you got to pay them so much. Get them in, get them. And you want to see some of these teams that you're not used to see spend money, spend money. You like to see the Mariners go get so they can be somewhat com- more competitive. You like to see the, I mean, the here's the thing. The Rays who have one of the lowest, they continue to win games. So don't tell me that $300 million men win you baseball games. You just have to be smart. You have to find the right pieces and the puzzle has to fit. And the Rays have proven that year in and year out. The Yankees are going to re-sign Judge. The Yankees don't want to have four $300 million contracts on the books. And I know people are like, well, who could pay for it? Yeah, well, I could pay for a mansion too, but I choose not to live in a mansion. Can, right? can, I, wait, hold on. Can you, though? Well, I live can in a you mansion really, now. Can you, really, can you really pay for a mansion? Maybe in Florida. I don't know if you well, can pay a mansion in Connecticut. Thing, my, my, <laughs> my approval rating for what I could buy for a house is what I can max out. Don't mean I have to buy the max house. You buy something that's more affordable. The Yankees are going to be smart, all right? We know the Yankees are not going to bring back the same team as last year. It's First of all, they've given up players and they've released players, and we know if they do so, they won't win anything. But Does that make have, you more picked off that they got, they got no, rid of here's, guys? Here's what I think. I think them. the Yankees go, we have Stan, who's $300 million. We have Cole. We're going to re-sign Judge for about $200 million. So we're going to have big money on the books, all right? I think the Yankees are going to make a trade for a first baseman. Maybe like a guy, Matt, Matt Olsen. But I don't I, think they do that. Hold on. It's so stupid. Hold, it's so stupid. I, listen, you bring a lefty you, bat, he brings power. But he you, brings, you, got, you got Freeman and Rizzo that cost no, nothing Joe, but money. Joe, Joe, here's my thought. Listen, I'm not saying I like the move because you know let me finish, you two. Especially you, you idiot. I already talked to you on the phone, Trev. I said I'd rather see Rizzo back because he's a better defensive first baseman than Matt Olsen. And I'd yeah. rather have Freeman than both of them because he's just a better pure baseball player than both of them. And I think the only reason why the Yankees would make trade is because they're trying to get guys off the books because they're not going to know what to do with Glaber Torres and and, Hilt and Joe Schmo and Luke Voigt. And we're not going to just sit him on the bench, so we're going to get something for him. That's the only reason why I think they make a trade for it. Looks like Trevor Story might be going to Colorado, not a definite. The Yankees are not going big time on a short sum. I would be, I would be more shocked if Carlos Correa is on the Yankees than I am Brian Kelly leaving LSU, going for LSU. All 
All right. If the Yankees, Yankees realize they have two young shortstops in the minor league system that will be superstars in a few years. They are going to get a stopgap shortstop, like a guy in Draw Simmons, who's very good defensively, oh, not yeah. a good hitter, but he makes contact. He could be a leadoff guy. He could bat ninth. You could do things with him in the lineup. And we have and the best part about being a shortstop is being defensive. That's your leader. Your center fielder and, def- and your shortstop should be start your listen. If you remember youth baseball, you put your best outfielder in center field and you put your best defensive with the best arm at shortstop. That's how it goes. Yankees need a defensive shortstop who can make plays. You're going to put DJ back at second where he belongs. You're going to put Gio at third. Yankees are probably going to tender Gary Sanchez again. And I know a lot of Yankee fans are not going to be happy with that, but there's really no other better options out there right now to go. Okay. I'll play play catcher. I'll be better. But the Yankees need to go get a couple good outfielders and need some switch hitters. They need role players. They need guys that can bring value. Really what the Yankees also need to do is they need to go get another pitcher. They need to get one more other pitcher. It doesn't have to be a stud. It doesn't have to be a Scherzer. All right? Remember when the Yankees were in on the Robbie Ray? They need Luis Castillo from the Reds. But listen, that's a move I think where the Yankees man. We got to strengthen the bullpen because we're not going to have – Britain next year, all right? Chapman's been a problem, but we have a really good bullpen, but we want another little piece. We need another starter because you're going to have Severino and Cole, and you'll have Montgomery, and you'll have and you'll have pieces. And we saw a lot of young guys participate on this team and have a high value this year. So I think the Yankees look at, listen, we have pieces. We have a lot of good players, all right? But we got to start molding this team better. We don't need to go get the super team and have five – billion dollar team on the field because that's not going to win you a championship all right the braves didn't have that many they lost it with their best player on the ir and akuna all right and they picked up a guy like jock peterson who was a role player for the dodgers then they let go and he ended up becoming that's the type of guys that the yankees need go get a guy like a jock peterson go resign go sign like a rizzo all right Clowers Correa is not going to be the guy for the Yankees. It's going to be a stopgap shortstop because the guy like Anthony Volpe, who's 20 years old, will end up being the Yankees' next star shortstop in two years. And I don't mind that they're not spending because I told you this before, Trev, and I probably and I'm repeating myself, but just because we go sign Carlos Correa and we go sign Max Scherzer, it doesn't mean we're automatically the best team in the league. Because tell me the last team in the league that went to go sign all the big superstars and end up winning the World Series. I mean, other than the Dodgers two years ago, but. It took them seven straight years of spending a billion dollars to finally get over the hump. And I don't want to win that way. Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, Jamison Tyone, Domingo Herman, Nestor Cortez, Jordan Montgomery. I mean, that's six really solid starters and uh, obviously, with with Gill and and Garcia, uh, you've even got some depth when it comes to pitching. And I'll be honest, uh, I think the fact that the Yankees obviously sat out Robbie Ray and Max Scherzer tells me they're not there's not some great pitcher coming. And to be quite honest, there's not a whole lot left uh, on the free agent market. So the only way the Yankees are improving this rotation would be via a trade. Yeah. And and they again certainly have the parts talking about Luke Voigt and talking about uh uh Glaber Torres, um Miguel Andujar, uh you know there there's still certainly pieces. James Paxton and Jay Happ uh are are a couple of uh, left-handed veterans that are out there. I would expect the Yankees will pick somebody up like that late later on here uh for not a ton of money. I do think that Carlos Correa, uh, I do think is a real possibility. And I, and I, you know, here's, I I know it's upsetting. And, you know, like Teddy said, look, we got a couple of studs uh, down on the farm. And while you would think you could kind of, you know, roll with that, I think the fact that Glaber and Gary, and Andujar have taken such major steps back. It this comes down to: Do we trust that Volpe is going to be great, or do we just go get Correa, who is great, yeah, for money, the, yeah? And then it allows us to then to take these these you know uh, short stops of the future, and and go get major league quality, whatever it is that you do need. 
But you can't the Yankees are, hey, Joe, the Yankees, the only thing I would say this is you can't go get Carlos Correa before you sign Judge. You can't go give money away to someone else before you assign your, your biggest star. And because he is your biggest star on your team other than Garrett Cole. So if you're going to sign Carlos Correa and you haven't signed Judge, I just think that puts a bad taste in some of the players' mouth. Now, what Judge you is going to get – Judge will get paid either way. No, yeah, I, I mean, know, but here's the thing, though. You want to see your guy at home get taken care of first before some outsider gets taken in. Here's, you know here's I mean? my, yeah, but, but, but I mean, Judge is signed through this season, so uh, he'll be here regardless. Joe, you know what I mean? Listen, I get what you're saying, and especially as it pertains to that man individual, that specific Carlos Correa – there, there's, you know, that's, it's not, if, if we were talking about Simi and her story, it'd be a di totally different story. That guy specifically is problematic here. Forget about him. Especially so now he's talking about Jeter. And then you got the other, I mean, there is no way the Yankees bring him. <laughs> the back. Yankees bring him back. I'm not being a Yankee fan. Yes, so. you are. You will, you <laughs> will learn. I, listen, my hope is this. My hope is that they're going to package up labor. Uh, and whoever else. Give me there, T again, story. Just give me T story. There's no. so many people. No, I don't want listen, I don't I want, want anybody over 30. He's not neither do I. He's he like might 29. as well be. He's like 29. Yeah. Listen, he's, his his numbers like, from he's home a gross and 29. His numbers Here's what I was gonna say quickly. Hold on, his numbers home and away are like this. I know, I know, I know. And, and he's, and he's already had and he's already having arm issues in Colorado. Nah, Stay in Colorado. Listen, nah, if you're going to go to get a guy, you would have brought in Seagull or Correa because those were the two. Here's my here's my thing about you, everybody keeps saying about the Yankees and Joe. We talked about this countless amount of times in the past, and it's the fact of oh yeah, we got these great young studs in the minor leagues: Jason Dominguez, Anthony Volpe, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we also had that. In the past, with Debbie Garcia, Gary Sanchez, Miguel Andujar, Esteban Chance Flor Adams, and James a a Chance Adams, Jorge Posada, can you wait one second? Stop I'm talking about the nineties. Can you? Okay, you're talking about the nineties. Yeah, you're talking this about guys from the nineties and the early two thousands. Totally different to compare so? to now. This so? is not the same farm. This is not the same. Uh, trainers or uh, uh, the people that get them going, development team. This is not even close. Baseball is a completely different game from the '90s all the way to today. If the, if we're playing the '90s ball, pitcher Garrett Cole maybe would have had about six or seven complete games. Instead, he has one or two because we didn't play analytics. So don't compare the '90s. Yeah, but what that have to do with a guy in the farm system? Here's my thing. From what we've seen from the past and recent memory with the Yankee system, is they don't know how to develop. They're homegrown talent. And everybody wants to say, well, we got Volpe. We got Domingos. We're going to be great. Yeah. Well, guess what? We had all these guys, like like I just said, Estevan Florio. Where the frick has he been? Where's Debbie Garcia? Where's all these guys that we said had high praise around the MLB system that the Yankees had one of the best farm systems in baseball because we had all this great talent? And what have they done with that? If Nothing. anything, they've ruined these guys. Glaber Torres, Gary Sanchez. They've ruined these guys. So let's not bank on these 20-year-old baseball players that the Yankees still can't figure out how to use and work with. So I'm sick and tired of that. Well, we got Anthony Volpe, a great promising shortstop. We got Jason Dominguez. He's going to be a five-tool player. Okay. They said the same thing about Estevan Florio. Debbie Garcia was going to yeah, be Yeah, they did. And now Yankees. Florio's down to being like a three-tool guy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So stop with this nonsense of the this, Yankees. Oh, we got this there development. Is not, this there is not. Is not hold, on, hold on, Joe. This is not the 90s, Ted. They developed those players to stars. And that's why they won championships. The Yankees, they don't know how to develop their stars. Hence, why they haven't won a championship in this entire decade. Listen, for everybody that talks about, I'm well, George, George Steinbrenner here. Well, you're wrong about that. It was Gene Michael, Gene Michael. Who, who, in George's absence, turned the organization around. Yep. George Steinbrenner wanted to trade Mariana Rivera and Derek Jeter for Brian Harvey of the Marlins in the strike, the, the season that got cut short by the strike. How that would have changed that. Okay, so... Let's pretend. Let's let's stop pretending George Steinbrenner was a genius. He inherited a really good team. 
And then this, they went through a long, a long, long stretch of mediocrity until he got suspended from baseball. And Gene Michael was able to swoop in and save the franchise. And he did that by building from the farm and bringing those guys up, which was something that the Yankees didn't do and didn't do a very good job of in the 80s under Steinbrenner. When you're talking about guys like Jay Buhner and Jose Rio, Willie McGee, Fred McGriff, the list is a mile long. That's why they never won. The Yankees have always overvalued and overhyped their prospects. Yes. And to have seen over the last few years, to see the Garys and to see the Aaron Judges and Glaber, it's like, oh, finally. And But you've seen nothing but steps backward from everybody but Aaron Judge. And so, yeah, you know, you'd love to just, you'd love to think that we could bring Volpe up and and uh, slide the other guy over to second, right? And we'll we'll move DJ to third and we'll, we'll trade uh, Urshela out for, some stud pitcher. None of that's happening. The Yankees, if they're smart, they will package up these young guys now to a team like the Pirates or the Reds. There's one of these young teams. You go get you go get uh, uh, Castillo or one of those young controllable pitchers, and you give them that. You give them the 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 prospects that you think might pan out. Because let's be honest, you trade four or five of these prospects, you're probably worried about one of them hitting. That's all I'm trying. That's all I try to say about this whole Yankee stuff. With everybody's like, "Oh, we got all these young prize pro- prospects coming up." Well, we've had that. We've heard that for years now. They don't know how to develop, and me and Joe have talked about it countless times. They don't know how to develop, and that's why they have the issues that they've been with these younger players. Am I right? Last year, the, the, the fact that the Yankees decided not to bring up Esteban Florio, when you've got 19 and 20 year olds making the All Star team in in Washington and Atlanta and yeah, all guys like yeah, Wander, Fran- Wander Franco getting a three hundred million dollar contract. Friend Anendo Tatis comes up and and dominates. It's just and we're we're like down like four center fielders. Our number one prospect <laughs> is down there, and they don't want to bring that guy up. Why is that? <laughs> For years we heard Chance Adams. All he does is win. Well, why isn't he in the majors then? They brought him to the majors. How'd that go? Overvalued, overhyped. If somebody wants your guy, just send them out. What are you going to give me for him? I'll take it. You, you <laughs> cannot you cannot gamble on minor leaguers. I, I mean, um, unless you've got one of those Derek Jeter scouting reports where it's like, uh, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. Well, keep that guy. But they're not all going to be Hall of Famers. Jason Dominguez... Anthony Volpe, Siegler, Garcia, they're not all going to – we know they're not all going to hit. We hope they do, but – But yeah. we know they're not going to, dude. Look at yeah. Rutherford and, 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 and Capillary. Dude, there's a million of them already all over the league of underperforming Yankee prospects. Yep. So stop the prospect hoarding. It gets you nothing. Send them to teams that have no money – that see these guys, oh, well, we'll keep this guy here for six full years under club control, and then you go take their their starting pitcher, their ace. That's out a year and a half before arbitration. Mean, come, come on. Enough of this crap. <laughs> come on. Anthony Volpe. That doesn't even sound like a real person. No, it sounds like it's a like Hall of Famer, Joe. It sounds like a true Italian. It sounds like a true Italian. That's the report on him. I've read a lot of the reports. I was reading Passon's thing. He said he's the best prospect the Yankees have had since Judge, and he said comparable to Jeter. Well, then you keep him and you get rid of all the other ones. Uh, here's the thing. You, you're, hoping you hit, you're hoping you like you hit with the big four when I was interrupted, Trev, saying the Pettits, the Posadas, the Riveras, guys like that. I mean, hey, listen, it happened for Houston. They tanked. They got great prospects, and now Atuve and Correa and Bregman were part of the reason why their success. And the kid Alvarez, who had, um, you know, won the AL ALCS MVP. They got studs. You're hoping those guys turn into. But here's the thing: we've always talked about this with the Yankees, and I'll end it on this. When you already have kind of a full roster, and you're just hoarding them down there, then you might as well just trade them to find a, a superstar that can really take over. If the Yankees produce a lot of milky Cabreras. Wasn't bad for the Yankees. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. Yeah, you know we had Robinson. That's, that's what the Yankees seem to produce: guys that are like Milky Cabrera level. Maybe you make an All-Star team for the Blue Jays when you're 36, but otherwise, just a a, a slightly above-average ball player. 
Robinson Cano. <laughs> I still forget he. St- I forget he plays baseball still. So do I. I told Trev that last night. I go. I go. I go. I forgot he was on the Mets. Yeah, but, he uh, plays, and yeah, here's the other thing. You also got to understand that when your crosstown rival is spending money because they have the richest owner in all of sports. It's it's a and it's a Yankee way. Like, wait, what are we doing? Why are we not doing? Hey, listen, don't worry about it. The Mets will still be in third place in the. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, will be winning the playoffs. Freaking Mets fans crack me up. They're laughing. Well, it's funny because the team's run by a fanboy who's an idiot who thinks that you just throw money at, at problems to fix them. And I think Steve Cohen's going to learn the hard way that when you try to run an organization like that, it ends up being a failure, and that well, he's going to have to find a Gene Michael. To straighten things yeah. out when he you need a GM and you need a coach match. first, Joe. And that's a guy like we've talked about before. They should go get a guy like Bruce Bochy, a veteran leadership, respect the guy who's got World Series championship pedigree, who can really set the tone for the rest of that team. And that would help them get over the hump. I truly believe that because they do have great prospects and they do have a great team. They just haven't found a way to put it together for their own sake. So let's shift over and close out the today as we usually do on our weekly Tuesday shows. We discuss our top 10 power rankings and another week where we had big matchups, great matchups. They turned out to be, it all started on, I guess, Thanksgiving. We'll say Thanksgiving. I mean, a hell of a game on Thursday uh, between the Cowboys and the Raiders. That was an unbelievable game minus the referees. Please get, I can't emphasize it enough. Please get new NFL refs. I'm sick and tired of seeing NFL refs dictating games. They're garbage. These old white men. Get well, younger guys. Listen, get with the times. Listen, we, we always have signups every June 1st, so anybody who complains, you can always sign up and become a I am not going to be a rep because listen, I don't like refs. The, can I tell you the biggest problem with we football? We need 10 keys as a ref. Yes, yes Joe, there's too many rules. I'll give you – no, no, no. Well, there probably is, but it's, it's very specific, and it's the same problem I find in fighting. When fights go to a decision. And you got to go to the judge's scorecard. Yeah. And you worst. have no idea how they scored it. Because some yeah. guys like knockdowns, some guys like takedowns, some guys like ring control. Ground, you don't know. Control, it's yeah. very subjective. And pass interference has become a very subjective call. Where sometimes they throw it, then they huddle up and they're like, no flag on the play. I saw it. <laughs> I saw the flag. You threw it. What do you mean there's no flag on the play? Yeah, I don't, I don't ah. I, I can explain that, but I won't get into That's it. That's the worst. Dude, that is the worst no, thing no, in the world. No, the worst call, the worst call in all of sports is the rough and the passer now. But anyways, let's get oh, you into can't even You can't yeah, even you touch can't. a quarterback, yeah. which is so stupid because, it's and I say most. this all the time, when you look at the guys like Lamar, all these running quarterbacks, as soon as they get outside the pocket and they start running, nobody wants to touch them. Just, and then you're not sure if he's going to slide or dive or run you over. He can do whatever he wants. And God forbid, if he if he comes at you and you touch him, you get a flag. I I hate that so much. Just, yeah. Look, there's a there's a difference between going high and headhunting somebody and just putting a lick on a quarterback after he throws the ball. Yeah. Again, these things should not be subjective. It needs to be clearly defined. Well, they are, but here's the thing. You can have clearly defined strike zone, just like in baseball. You, me, and Trev can all have a different strike zone based on then what Then it's not value. clearly defined. It is in the rule book, but just how you look I'm at it. I'm not talking about in the rule book. I'm talking about in reality, in how yeah, we you, are every, every point is, If, every if point the head is of Major League umpires was like, listen, nothing nothing below the knees getting called here. Yeah, and if that became happened. the standard, but if that became the but, – but then if you don't follow it, then they can boot like, your ass out of for, there for, because then, so you're, for, then you're not doing it right. Well, for defensive pass interference, there's six different categories that defensive pass interference falls into. And then there's de- – depending on the play, you have – every play in every situation's its own entity. So you have to take it. And you and me – listen, I'll tell you this because the meeting – And then it's I'll not a catchable me. pass, so then pick up the you're, flag. Well, well, in college football and in youth football, there's no such thing as incatchable pass. It has to be literally thrown in the woods. Guys, like, oh, that's uncatchable. There's no such thing as that. That's a made-up thing. So people need to know the so rules. It's a different rule than for the pros. Yes, there's which different is rules. another thing Federation I hate in sports high when, school, when college rules when the rules and NFL change. Rules. Just when like, the rules change depending on where you play, I hate that. Hey, I we, hate we, that the National we, League. We, uh, we, hey, we could we could talk about this, but. 
people got time. Yeah, no, we got Joe's got to pick we up his time. Time. So so We can talk about this another time because trust me, it is an ongoing issue throughout this season. All kidding aside, it has been an ongoing issue. But Joe, really it is. Kevin, you are both right. It is an issue because it was like, on display actually, fully. Well, on here's the thing: they're the biggest cause always seem like the pass interference and the inconsistency from one game where the. And here, Joe, you know this for a fact: baseball, football, basketball officials. You know if Joe McGuire's ref for the game, ah, he likes to call a lot of fouls. Well, Teddy's crew's on the game. There would have been more lean. Remember the old Big East officials? They used to let the guys bang, right, underneath yeah. the box. But then you would play in the tournament, and you have the ACC, and they didn't let guys bang, and you get guys in foul troubles. And it Because that's what used to they say. The Big East was the tough conference. That's where the real men played because you were able to play basketball and have that little patty cake game like in other conferences. But, Trev, start with the power rankings. Oh, you can do mine? That's fine, yeah. So here's Ted's listen, top team. Listen, I'm not going to do much explanation other than the reason why I have the Packers is because they're the best team in football. They have the MVP, and they won a game on the road against the second-best team when they didn't have their best receiver, their two pass rushers, their best defensive player in Zaire Alexander. They're missing the left, ta left tackle in Bakayari, and I also believe Aaron Jones was out for that game. The move – and I told you this before. What game are you talking about? The Packers beating the Cardinals. Devontae like was, Devontae was like out. No, Aaron, jo Aaron Jones had actually um a really great game that he had like oh, he, 40 points. Yeah, but no, so no, AJ Dillon was really the key for that game. He he had multiple third down conversion runs. And now that pick in the second and third round of AJ Dillon doesn't look too bad. And if you have him in fantasy, he's been a great flex player uh for you this year. Packers are the best team in football. They have the best player in Aaron Rodgers. Considering everything they've gone through with COVID, injuries, Aaron Rodgers, BS in the offseason, not wanting to play there, they're the best football team. And if he wasn't had the nonsense with COVID, they would have beat the Chiefs and they would only have two losses. The Saints' loss now just looks like, a, you know what, they just had to like get a preseason game under them. Got to get a like, kick in just the ass sometimes. The Cardinals are the second-best team, I think, when they're healthy. And considering they've won two games on the road against the 49ers in Seattle with Colt McCoy, with DeAndre Hopkins being out, with J.J. Watt being out for the rest of the season, the Cardinals have been impressive. The Bucs, when they're fully healthy, they're great. I thought about doing the Patriots at three, but I had to flop them only because the Bucs beat them. I think the Patriots right now are the best team in the AFC. They're the hottest team in the AFC. We'll find out this week when four or five Bills and Patriots play. Ravens, they're still good. I think Lamar makes still too many mistakes, but there's still, listen, considering everything they're going through, Chiefs are hot. And I, I did think about this before. When we were doing this list and we started this five weeks ago, I was all NFC, all top heavy. Remember, I had like the five NFC teams before I did. Now look at it. It's almost all AFC teams now. I was thoroughly impressed by it the is. Bengals. The AFC is really wide open right now, man. I it's really crazy. was thoroughly impressed by the Bengals win the other day. I know the Steelers and people will knock them, but you know what? I don't care. You still beat your arch embassy. You sweep them and you beat them the way you did. The only reason why I have the Titans 10 I didn't have the Cowboys is because I really – you have to look at the bigger picture. They're missing both their stud receivers, and they're missing Derrick Henry. And for this team to still be in the position they are, and they and they, and their kicker missed the field goal and an extra point against that Patriots might have Wait, been – Wait, you don't have the Cowboys in the top 10? No. I just I noticed that. I was just – I, I, I was too. I was just going to say, I, what's the team that we have that he doesn't because uh, he does not have the Cowboys – I, I was gonna put Trev, I was gonna put the Titans slash Cowboys ten as a ten and a ten and a half. I'd put the Cowboys at eleven, uh, but the uh, Cowboys I I think the Cowboys are in trouble. I think they got some issues right now. But I'm gonna put the Titans only because I don't look at the the Titans are missing their studs. And if they had their big three, it'd be a different. Trev's will say Packers agreed, Cardinals agreed. I want I'm gonna probably change. I'm gonna probably make a change right now. I put the Bucks at two over the Cardinals. I think the way they came back the other day and the way they played and the way that they are getting Leonard Fournette heavily involved in that offense is a difference maker. I mean, Brady not having fully – with Antonio Brown not there, this team is still the champs, and I'm still going to – I would take – I would trust the Bucs over the Cardinals if they had to play a, a neutral site game or wherever they had to play. I would take the Bucs. I love what the Patriots are doing. How can you not? Like, I know that the Titans didn't have anybody. They had almost – but still – the Patriots have dominated, and they're taking care of business. They didn't win comfortably. I mean, they didn't win like uh, like a close game. They they took care of business. They are dominating right now. They are taking care of business every week, and it's going to be. A, I cannot wait for next Monday's game because we get to see two teams that maybe to some could be the two favorites in the AFC right now with the Bills. I know the Bills have been so inconsistent up and down this uh, recently. But that matchup is going to be huge. I love what the Patriots are doing. Mac Jones is is really taking a hold of this league. He's taking a grasp of this league. He's dominating. He's playing well. 
this team doesn't have a lot of flaws. And that's why I really think this team is going in the right direction. And this team could be playing far into the NFL season. Um, Chiefs, I still like the Chiefs. I got to put the Cowboys. I still think no the Cowboys. Bengals, yeah. No Bengals, huh? No Bengals, Not yet. I do not think that I, – I think the Titans not at full health. I think that you got to take that in consideration. Um, I do not like – I'm uh, my team that I really was thinking about not putting in is the Rams. I do not like where the Rams are going right now. They look very finesse. They look like that type of team, the, the pretty boys that are getting slapped around by the more physical teams, and that's what's happened the past couple of weeks. And from what we've seen – and I said it a couple of weeks ago. I want to say it now that – Maybe I am. I, I'm probably wrong. I'm probably wrong that the Rams are going to make the Super Bowl, Super Bowl right now because they look like a team that's just getting picked apart defensively and offensively. They got problems on the offensive line, and they're two of a finesse team, and that's not going to win you the games. So going all in with Beckham and Von Miller, yeah, it's all great to have the big names, but like we just talked about in baseball, always having the big names doesn't always pan out for you. So that was the one team I was considering taking out of my top ten. But I'm gonna keep them in. We'll see how they bounce back this week. Any questions? I like it. Okay, cool. I don't totally like it. I like the Bengals being in. I like it because I think eight, nine, and ten are very much on the ropes right now. I like mine better. Than yeah, I think all three of those teams are on the ropes. A hundred percent. I don't I, know. I think if anything, the Cowboys should be lower. I think you should have the Bills higher. I think you should flop the Bills and Cowboys. I say that the Bills because the Bills have been so inconsistent the past couple of weeks. I don't know what team they're going to show. I want to see. I really want to see this week. You play the Patriots Monday Night Football. The winner gets the AFC East lead and possibly a number one seed. Here's Joe's list. Okay, so he's got the Patriots. You see, he's still got the Bucks at five. I would put the Bucks in front of the Ravens. But I like what you have, Rams, Cowboys. Yeah, I, I, I think the Rams are a little too high, Joe. I really. I like- so I listen. The, the talent is all there for the Rams. Although 100%. somebody, I heard somebody say this: it this is more a collection of talent than it is a team with great chemistry. Yes, but I still think a team with great talent can still win. So I'm going to assume that the Rams can. Pro- and I feel the same way about the Cowboys, which is why I kept them as high as I did, even though they're on a losing streak. I don't care about either of those two losses that they had against the Chiefs and the Raiders. I still think the Cowboys are a really good football team, and uh, I think they're going to continue to win most of their games on the way out here. I was thinking about moving the Chiefs up higher, but I just feel like the Bills and Bengals have done more thus far this season. But I think the Chiefs are definitely trending upward, whereas – the Cowboys, Bills, and Bengals are all sliding this way out. I dropped the Titans off my list. Um, I'm looking forward to getting them back on, but they're going to need either AJ, Julio, Henry, or somebody yeah. before I before I put them back on my top ten list. And it's a really good team, and it's not their fault that they're down all those weapons, but I can't put that team on my top ten given their, their current status. All right. Fair enough. I said to someone the other day, Trev, before you end the show, I wouldn't be shocked if we have a rematch. Patriots, Buccaneers, Super Bowl. It's a possibility. And when I said rematch, I didn't mean Super Bowl, I mean regular season. I feel like we're setting up for I feel like we're setting up for if not, we're setting up a Packers Patriot type of thing, or maybe Patriot, uh maybe a Packers Chiefs or something. But right now, look at the Packers and Bucks right now, the way they're playing as the two best teams in the NFC right now. I mean, literally, I think the Packers, once they get healthy, those guys will be coming back. They're on the bye this week. They're going to get their players back. They should be excited and ready to go. The Bucs, Trev, I agree with you. This is where they get hotter and they get better. And Gronk is their biggest, most important player on their team. When he comes back, he's been dominant the last two weeks in the receiving, and everyone forgets how well of a blocker he is. The running game, Fournette. Brady, that defense will get healthier. They're going to get better. It's almost set up for a, a Brady Rodgers rematch NFC Championship game in Green Bay. And it'd be, hey, Rodgers, can you get this one over the hump? We'll see what happens. A lot is going right on. now looks like the best Packer team he's had since the Super Bowl. I had a $5 five team parlay that paid out $200. And the only thing that st- separated me from that cash. Was the New York Football Giants? <laughs> I had bet on the Eagles. I had the Eagles. You I had the Eagles in my five. They were the only one. You don't, you don't bet against the Giants. You don't bet with the Giants. I know. No, you don't do it. I know. You don't do it. 
And this is the reason why. And that's what I you get. My lesson. That's what you it, get for betting against never, your never touch the giant game. Never touch the giant game. I thought it was easy money. And I, oh, also, I would have won my suicide league. But the Giants took the Eagles again. Wow. <laughs> well, we got I can't wait for Friday. We got a lot going on. A huge football weekend. We'll see if anything happens with the Yankees and the MLB. But we got conference championship games this Saturday. We'll be talking about that. We're starting a college football talk on Keys to the City. So we're going to be all discussing that. What's going to happen? The scenarios. Can't wait to see it. I'm hoping that Cincinnati does get in. I'm I'm, I'm hoping. We'll, we'll talk all about that. And plus, we got some big games in the NFL. We got a matchup between Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. We're going to be talking about that game. Plus, Ooh. that big Monday night game in the AFC East. A lot going on in sports, ladies and gentlemen. It's just getting that much more exciting for us sports fans. Ladies and gentlemen, we are Keys of the City. We're streaming on all social media platforms at Keys of the City or at Clovercrest Media so you can check us all out. And many more podcasts at clovercrestmedia.com. So subscribe, comment, like, or share. Clovercrest Media presents Keys of the City. We are out. Yeah. To the city, baby. When you see us, so you know you really viewing greatness in the making. Double up on facts we stating. Podcasting, cruise control, city, state, the nation. So what you saying? What we saying? Prime information. Facts, keys to the city. We're locking the statements. Streaming every Friday.